Hi guys, and welcome to the first episode of the Stoic Performance Podcast. I'm Matt Green, and today on today's podcast, we have someone called Ryan Barrett, who is a personal trainer from Leicester, who is a former Royal Marines commando, uh, and someone I met almost 20 years ago when we started training together. First attempt, he didn't quite make it. He got all the way through and ended up getting injured right at the last hurdle, which we'll go into in the uh, in the podcast. Um, he then left training, um, rejoined again, and I, I, I crossed paths with him almost 10 years later when he was back in training, uh, and then he went through and ended up passing, which was an unbelievable attempt to get through the second time of asking. Unfortunately, then he ended up getting a uh, inflammatory gut disease, which he'll go into uh, during the episode and how he's dealt with that, but he's... His never-say-die attitude, he does not quit. It's an absolute um, pleasure to know him and, and, and pleasure to have him on as a first guest. So, hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you in later videos. All right, sweet. So, yeah, how, how are you doing? What's new? BKB. Just the BKB thing, mate, and uh, obviously with with the PT thing, just doing online like as we are now. That's the only thing we can do, really. Yeah. How, how have you found the transition from uh, doing in person to to online training? Quite easy to be honest, because the sort of stuff that I do doesn't really require a gym. So with like obviously experience from from sport from the Marines. I mean, we had a PTI, didn't we? From fucking. From when, from when we started, so it's pretty easy to, to work out what to do. I think more conventional personal trainers who like need gym kit and everything might struggle, but I find it quite easy to be honest. Yeah, yeah, good. Obviously, the best the best thing to do is just with body weight. Um, it's all you need, really. Like, we don't need yeah. But um, <clears throat> Ryan, I wanted to get you on because I think your story is is unreal. How you've kind of dealt with. Uh, the things you've dealt with but let's start like right from the beginning like myself we joined the marines 18 years ago mate 18 yeah. years ago now um, 2002 2002 yeah um we were the young ones weren't we we were very young in the suit. 16 and off yeah yeah so i just turned 17 but um so let's Let's take us back to then. Why did you want to join the Marines in the first place? Uh, basically, I'd been playing rugby at a top level. I was de- I des- like on the, in the pathway in the academy set up to being a professional rugby player. But um, I had something, just something more that I wanted to do to escape my environment and do do something different. That, um, no one in my family had done. I've had other memories of family in the military, but no one in the Marines. So I wanted to try and do something to top everyone else in my family. <laughs> I had to get and just to escape like um, kind of what was going on at home yeah yeah um, it's, so it's common for a lot common for a lot of lads isn't it yeah definitely definitely had you done any any boxing previous to joining yeah, yeah. so I'd been I'd boxed since I was probably four years old <clears throat> my dad was a boxer so um, there was always a bag in the garage um, he used to let let us come back with all the rugby lads and all spar in the garage and things like that. So, yeah. some, something I've always done. That's something I didn't know you'd you'd done. 
when um, we was in training. I remember we used to do a little bit in the grots with Fuller and yeah, yeah. Ben Hammer and that. And that was yeah. kind of, and Kev Donnelly head kicking me. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I never defended a head kick in my life until Kev Donnelly kicked me in the head. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. um, so going through training, kind of tell us what happened. Um, obviously, when you was in our troop in 839 troop, was it injury that kind of. Yeah, no, it wasn't an injury, basically. I was I was keeping up with regards fitness. I think I was in the top 10, 10 in the troop, like um, like with, you, with your sort of self. But I was struggling with um, the application of, like, just attention to detail, um, not taking things in well, well enough, because I think I was a bit immature, a bit too immature for it. And I was thinking a bit more of just getting through training rather than the job at the end. And I think um, I think that that kind of showed when it come to like criteria aspects that let myself down on, and then I, I struggled fucking map reading. I can't map read now still. So <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, something that was um, well, I left I left eight three nine troop at week fourteen after failing practice run, which is like the halfway point criteria test. Yeah. So then I was like went through the process of then relearning going into different troops, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then I, had, I, had, um, I, did, I did my commando test, passed every single commando test. And then on the 30 miler, a lad called Josh Eli, who was in our troop original, um, yeah. he went down on the last leg and our whole syndicate had to do the rerun. And then on the rerun, he went down, um, somebody went down and it was Kazabak on that again. So after passing all the tests by the third mile and the rerun, I had to do all my tests again, which I did, and passed everything. And then on fine legs, um, I think I was debussing out of a helo and uh, I got an open fracture of my leg. My tib and fibra had had stress fractures. And that was pretty much the end of the game for me it's, um, as a recruit. So I've been through. Who was that with? <clears throat> I can't. I, I couldn't honestly tell you. Because so when you left, I've been in and out of troops so much. I did a commando test, and then it was I had, the, I had the problem with the stress fractures, and then basically just took a punt to do uh, fine legs with the injury, which I did, but then obviously crimped it with it at the end. Yeah. And so then when I, when I left. When I came out then, I came out due to injury, but also I'd had enough. And I was, I was, it was like my body was wanting to mature, and I was too immature myself to um, to progress. And I think I realised that like, at the end. I was, I was there at the end, and I was good enough in all respects. But I think it was of the, of the, I was good enough in all respects on paper, but not actually. If I'd had to go on the ground, I wouldn't have been good enough. And I think that was known by. Why obviously the training establishment. That's the best way I can think of it, of putting it. So how long from starting the first time in September 2002 to then taking you up to Final X, breaking your tip and fib, how long was that? 2012, 10 years. No, so... I passed that in 2012. You I rejoined in 2011. 
Yeah, so when you... Yeah, I can't remember what year it was. When you left the first yeah. time. Yeah. Was that 2003 you left? 2004 or five. I said, yeah. I was nearly there four years. So you've been in training for... You've been at Limpson for a long time, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, about four years. Yeah. Just constantly. I'm in. glad I was in training with coming back on juniors, and I was still in a recruit. Yeah. Um. So, obviously, you you'd had enough by then that point, and then you left. Tell us what happened after leaving the first time between there and rejoining for the second time. When I left, I played professional rugby. Um, I played for a team called Rugby Lions, who are in National League Three. I played for them, and then um, obviously I've never, did, I've always had the mindset of nothing's ever enough. So I was at National League Three, which was above and beyond really my kind of playing ability. But I always had belief above my ability, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to try and get in the National One team. And I was turned up, and I was tiny. Everyone else was probably like on steroids <laughs> and big in the gym. I was tiny, mate. You're and, not uh, small, are you? You're not small. I'm not, I'm not now, but I was then. And uh, I got there, mate, and I was just like the whipping boy. And it was, it was um, as an academy, they had me in the academy, which was a bit of a blow going from being a, a so I was like, oh, fuck this, I'll show you lot. So I started just coming to the, to the, whatever else was getting paid for, all the other sessions, I started going to for free. <clears throat> By the end of that season, I'd made it into the, in, into the, into the, into the squad, like, just, uh, just from drafting which has kind of been my key to success with everything I've ever done. I've had to get there the hard way, but I do eventually. Where do you think that mindset's come from? I'd never give up. Definitely from, um, I, th I think as it, from my grandma, that's been pointing to me from my grandma, because like, like I say, I won't touch on what was going on at home, but I was basically raised by my grandma. She just put into me that uh, to believe anything you put your mind to, you can do. And if, if, if you've not done it, basically, it's because you've not, You've not tried hard enough. You've not carried on long enough. You've given in. So I've got that belief, and I believe that to this day, that whatever it is you set your, set your mind to, you can do if you're willing to go through the process. The process might be taking 10 years to get your green lid, which I did. Same with boxing. Like when I started out boxing, I, had, I thought going from being a professional rugby player, I was going to be the bollocks at it. And it turned out. Not to be the case. But again, <laughs> again with that, There's again with that, mate, I, st I stuck at that in when most people, most people like, it's a long way travelling up and down the motorway with a broken jaw after you fought. Yeah, and then back in the gym the next day. But I stuck at it and ended, ended up like, my last fight I had, I had an ulcerative colitis. It was two weeks before I had my operation and I beat the heavyweight rank number three in the country. So, Ended up being all right in the end. That's awesome. You, you did some sparring with uh, Chris Eubank Jr. as well, didn't you? Yeah, Chris Eubank Jr., Mark Godbeer, who's world uh, bare-knuckle heavyweight champion. Yeah. He's also Bellator MMA, MMA world champion. So I've been, I've been in good company, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, more, through, more, more through having more balls and brains, I think. <laughs> so... When obviously you'd you'd left the Marines first time, yeah, gone on to play rugby. Now we through social media through Facebook we kind of reconnected, you know, yeah, back end of 
early 2000s, whenever you're in it was. Afghani- you are Afghanistan. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And, um, that's that'd be 2009-ish. And then I find out you're going to go for it again. Well, what what possessed you? What, yeah. what, what would, why did you want to go for it again after, after doing it for so long? Because it was, it was, it was. As, as well as well, I'd got to that point in 2011 where I was winning. I was winning every time I got every time I got in the ring. I was doing well, and um, it was like I'd been down to Brighton, and people were interested in me in going professional. And it was like um, I narrowly lost winning the championships by one point this Sunday before I went on the PRMC. And I went on the PRMC with no preparation. I was just a kind of like, if if I can't pass the PRMC, it's, then. I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be there. But so the, so the PRMC doing what I've done. Doing what I've done. If I can pass the PRMC with no prep, then I still want to do it. Yeah. So, so that PRMC is a potential Royal Marines course where you go down to Limston, three days. They put you through it to see if you're good enough. Obviously, you've you've gone there, just winging it. No, no, no preparation. Two black eyes, like, <laughs> and um, I just, but I just thought if if it's really still in me. I'll I'll get to the end, and I did. I read. I started training two weeks after that because we then reconnected in person at Limston, didn't we? Because I was yeah. on a training team by this point, yeah. and I just thought I, I, I my hat was completely off you. I couldn't believe seeing you in there again, knowing what you'd been through, and absolutely determined to smash it. And I think it was one of my one of my good mates was on your team. I think. Uh, Couple four, Pikey. Um, and yeah, my hat was taken off. So the different, obviously, you were almost like a decade between starting when we first started yeah. and then starting again. Now, what was the difference like for you between that, that that kind of generation almost of lads, like from the team? I mean, like training teams and obviously the lads you were with. Was, was there any differences between them or? I, f- I found that, that people that are at, at CTC now, when I went back in training, were there because they were the top top instructors. Whereas it was like when we, we was in training, people were there on like a shit draft, maybe because they'd fucked up or something like that. And it was like, they did not want to be there. They despised being there. And it was almost like, it was, everything was to try and, try and make you fail whereas second time around they were giving you the instruction to enable you to pass and if you didn't pass obviously that's on you because the instruction was I felt was far better and it was it was constructive instead of destructive I felt like the first time through training it was all done to make you rap whereas the second time obviously there's still that element to it but they're giving you the tools to get to the end, if you know what I mean, but you yeah. have to take it and and apply yourself to it. Whereas before, it was kind of just like I just I was just in a, a whirlwind of just getting everything wrong constantly and just fighting to survive. Whereas I get some stuff wrong the second time, I hold my hands up and I'll go, look, I'm fucking up on this. Can someone help me? And someone did, and that's how that's that's that was the difference. I think when. Um, when I was going through like the, the training to become a, an instructor down there, <clears throat> there was a big emphasis on coaching. 
and yeah. developing the person in front of you rather than just you know thrash 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 because yeah. they you have to learn you learn so quickly you get tested on it and then you move on so yeah you kind of just learn just to pass the test yeah and you only truly learn when you go out into the unit and yeah that's exactly right but uh, the coaching was there instead of instead of someone being pissed off with you because you fucked up again someone would then try and coach you coach you back to coach you right so you could pass instead of just thinking well this this lads this lad's not getting it and just keep annihilating you but I, I I obviously the thing that got me to the end eventually was the thing that kept me in training the first time but I just won't fucking give in but that also then I think with the instructors at the time Became, just became well. Let's just let's just keep annihilating this idiot until he's done, sort yeah. of thing. So I think what was my key to success the first, the second time around was also part of what why I didn't succeed in the first instance. Yeah. Because it was more about for me just getting to the end than learning what was what it was I was doing. So the second time I went there with I need to learn this shit because this is going to keep me and my powers alive. If I get to do the fucking job at the end, if I get to the end, I was learning learning to do to do the role of a marine instead of trying to get to the end of the training. Yeah. Um. So when you finally made it, tell me about that. I'll be honest, mate. I stood behind the curtain and I thought, "Fucking hell, I'd done all this before." <laughs> I was expecting to feel a great feeling. I just thought, you know what? You've made the last life, hour in a period, ten years of your life misery because you've because you uh, <laughs> got all the way to the end, and I was like, and you've done it. But I then went on. I enjoyed I enjoyed training because I felt like I was in the position I felt I should have been the first time through. So the effort I put in, like, and I felt like that was just kind of swept under the rug, under the rug. Like this bloke's, I'd done my commando test twice. With stress fractures, and it was still, I was still a knobber. Yeah, with the second time through, it was almost like people kind of seen the effort that I did put in. Where it was the first time, it was no one gave a fuck. Yeah, I was still there, still crying, four years on. It was just like, oh, this, this, like, I was like a joke, like a bit of a joke. And yeah. uh, I felt like I'd put that, put that right. Definitely. I mean, like it was. You know, must have been such a long decade, ten years. I'd, I'd finished. Well, not nightmare for me, mate. Worst I'd, time of my life. Yeah, I'd, I'd pretty much finished my career while you were just starting. I left in in June yeah, yeah. 2012. So, um, I, I'd at that point had enough. Um, for me, it was time to get out, and I got out at the right time. Um, but where did you end up going? Where did you go when? You passed out. I went to 4-2 uh, Commando, M Company. M Company, nice. We went straight away. So six weeks, we went straight away to America. So I was there six weeks, just basically. So it's kind of like an acid test the first time we went away. Yeah. It was just uh, when I got there, it was just ramping up to go on Black Alligator. And what, what, was, that, what was you doing on that? So it was like live firing, building up um, section troop company, like live live firing. Did you do any work with um, the US Marines or anything like that? 
Uh, yes, yeah. So we're on like adjacent ranges with them um, and things like that. We did like a big um, a big unit, like um, a attack at the end, which was really good. But it was just mad, mad to be out there and see see the difference and re and realise how what a difference actually getting through the course actually makes and how much of a difference it actually makes when like now I see the difference now in me compared to 90% of people in just the way that you way the mentality is and and like mm -hmm. your conviction and your intention is so different to everybody else yeah um so what happened how long was you in in the marines from from 2012 to basically 2013 i got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis so yeah. i had a year in the unit after all that and i was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis which basically means i was going toilet passing blood like up to 60 times a day wow which was not ideal <laughs> <laughs> so uh, then, then I carried on for about a year with um, be, keeping it to myself. Really, carried on for a year. Went on um, Cougar, which was like a six-month deployment, and then I came back and I was on a SFC briefing course. And just like the last thing on there, I was doing really well throughout the course, hanging on by 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 a thread. But by this point, then I was. The thing, the, the stuff, I was like um, a physical specimen by then. I'd got myself in really good shape. And that was when I got there, because of obviously the condition, I was just like a shadow of myself. Like things that normally would, would have been like you could do after a full day were, were like, it was taking every effort, every ounce of effort for me to um, to get done. And I came off on the roller coaster <coughs> and then basically told, told, told the, the DS what was going on. And that was it then. I was basically on sick leave and then got sent to move to Hasler Company, basically for like medical discharge. And what you had a good go, even though, I, even, though, uh, even though I was still, and like some, some of the lads knew and could see, could see how, how much I was suffering with it. But to me, I went, uh, I weren't stopping until I was stopped. Yeah. Did um when you got medically discharged, did they have they looked after you at all or just um well I had a good I had a good resettlement good resettlement package to get the uh, the PT thing that I'm now doing. I was uh, did all my courses through that and um I was given kind of I had to turn two for two fears. It was kind of like an unkept secret that I was going and training in the boxing gym because I knew basically the PTIs, uh, doctors, and everything were like, Oh, it's unrealistic for you to even. I told everyone that I was going to get down to the weight of 91 kilos, and they were like, At this point, I lost, I was 28 kilos above that, so I can't remember what the weight was. And I was like, I'm going to get down to 91 kilos, and they're all saying, Oh, you did like. You're delusional, you're going to make yourself ill through trying to do it. But my my goal was to get down to 91 to fight. Because yeah. told me I wouldn't be able to fight anymore. So, unbeknown to everybody else, my goal was to get down to 91 kilos so I could fight again. 
<clears throat> and I did. I got last 91 kilos and I had two fights before I had my operation, which obviously was going to stop me being able to compete. So whilst in Alpha Kumpla, I trained, trained so I could fight. Right. And ended up, ended up fighting twice. Yeah, how did that go on? Well, I, I lost one fire, uh, which was like a, a close split decision against a lad who was six foot seven. When we got there, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Why can't I ever get anyone my own size? <laughs> so, but that, that was a brilliant, brilliant one for me because I took that fight with no notice. I, was, I wasn't in the boxing gym at all, but um, I told my coach I was. And I got there and he looked at me and he was like, have you been, are you ready for this? I was like, we'll find out, we'll soon find out. So I rolled the dice. Again, just, I wanted to do it, regardless of if I got knocked out or not. And uh, after the first round, I thought, fuck it, I'm going to go for it. And like, turned the whole fight, turned the whole fight around and lost by like a narrow split decision. Yeah. So after that then, I felt like Sergeant Major was a keen boxer. I told him. And he was like, me some signals so I could go over and train. I won't mention his name, so I don't want to get him in trouble. But he gave me some signals so I could go home. I trained for the last one, and like, um, like I say, did really well. I managed to managed to put the final nail on the coffin for my boxing career myself. Good. So you went out on a high, kind of. Yeah, went out with a win. Um, and how are you dealing with it now? So. Well, now I've had a, I've had three operations since, so that's that's been a saga on its own. I had sepsis twice that I should have died from, um, respiratory arrest from a morphine overdose that I should have died from. But going on, moving on from that, um, I've now got a colostomy bag. I chose to have it done externally so I could still be involved with boxing and coaching. Because yeah. if you have it internally and you say you were punched in the stomach, it could rupture, which could lead to obviously serious complications or death so I had a choice of it externally and uh, I remember I remember saying I'm never going to get a blowjob again and uh, my, my dad my dad my dad actually said to me son if you can't cope with the fact that you're going to have that then you're not the person you've portrayed yourself to be all these years if you've not got enough character to deal with the fact you've got to have that then you, then you're a fraud basically so my dad put it on me yeah and uh, and and first time after I had it done, I went out on a training holiday in Thailand, and the the the, the uh, colostomy bags then with like an earring aid beige. I could see all people looking on it, so I just thought, "Fuck it!" I wrote on it, "Hi, my name's Steve." On it yeah. on the thing, so someone was like, "Oh, so I was like, oh, it's Steve, Steve Mustoma," and that was that for me, kind of like. That was what was a turning point for me because I was hiding away to start with, like I feel most people do. So I kind of made it a joke, made it like an issue, and it. I realised then it wasn't an issue for anybody else. Yeah, it's not going to define you whatsoever. No, not at all. I've got ulcerative colitis. Like it's not got me. That's my thing. 100%. And that's that's my, that's what I'm trying to do now, with with posts and things I do through social media to try and show other people who think it's life-ending rather than life-changing. Yeah, there's life after surgery. There's life after a stoma. You can carry on. You can still achieve. You can still fucking do the things that you set out to do. 
just because you've got a bag of shit on you, it doesn't make no difference. It shouldn't stop you doing anything. That's how I look at it, mate. I look at yeah. it as like that's all it is. No, it's an amazing, amazing mentality to have, mate, to, to think of it like that and um, to prove to other people as well that it's not going to show, show you. That's it. I want to I see other people who maybe not not got the mindset that I've developed through being in the Marines or live the life that I have. That there are people out here doing stuff with it and that maybe might help them to do to do more of the self, to ask more of the self then. Because they, they may believe that, like I did, oh, fucking hell, this is like, this is going to change everything. Yeah. But for me, it's not changed a thing. I'm still me, just with just with a bag. Like, it's nothing. Brilliant. And my, and my, my thing is to try and help other people with that now. So are you, are you obviously personal training? Um, yeah. Is that what you're looking at to do long-term? Is there yes, mate, yeah. That's well. That's like in between, obviously, illness and things like that. Um, that is what that is what I'm looking to do. Looking to try and help people. Like I was bullied as a kid, so that's where the boxing thing comes in now. I want to try and help other people so they don't feel vulnerable. So they so they so they don't feel how I felt. So through boxing, like building people's confidence, because. Uh, like I say, that's that was another thing that helped me get back into Marines was the discipline. I re-found the discipline that I had in the Marines through boxing. Mm. And that's that's again now how to how I've managed to turn negative situations into a positive situation is using the mentality that I used in training of just never quit, never giving in, keep going no matter what. And uh, if 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 you've uh, if you've got conviction in what you say, you'll find a way. If not, you'll find a way out. And that's basically what I found to be true in Marines training. And you've been, you, I've seen you've been training others to get in the military. Yes, mate, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so our gym, we've got a, like a varying different um, of personal trainers. There's another lad who's been in, in training himself. But, um, I'm very different to how other people are in the gym, shall we say. So yeah. I don't change at all. And um, with with people who are going for the military training, I make it for them how it how it is going to be. So realistic. So if people are late, they get punished for being late. If people aren't putting the right effort in, they get punished for that because that is what they're going to get. And yeah. I've had 100% success of anyone who's been. So I've had two lads get into the Marines, two lads in the... In the in the Navy, and one I'd get into the Army. And I think that's just because I've given a realistic expectation of what to expect. And I've got into them in the gym stage, in the comfort setting of all you've got to do to get to the end is keep fucking going. And you'll be, you'll be there at the end. Be there at the end. You can't, don't go far wrong. There's a lot of people, as soon as it gets hard or uncomfortable, as you, as you know, don't want to do it anymore. Whereas if you can get that in the gym, where you carry on even when you're tired and fatigued, which to someone who, like yourself, it's just something that's don't even enter your head that you're gonna stop. Yeah, people who people who have got aspirations of joining something like that don't realise that it's like that. Think if they start crying, it's gonna stop, but well, it's not. You know what I mean? You've got to, you've got to carry on regardless. So it's trying to just get that mentality across to people. Yeah. Awesome, awesome, and. Um... 
So doing the personal training and dealing with obviously also the colitis. cracking job um, and again like going back to seeing you when I when I seen you in, in training again I was just absolutely made up for you um, to see that you've come through I don't know anybody who's, who's gone back you know after about 10 years to try and to try and do it again and you smashed it um, and you, you know, into the future and to see you dealing with that and how you've dealt with it Absolutely, hat off to you, mate. Unbelievable. Thank you, Bob. But, um, so just to finish off with, mate, if you could kind of like, you know, give people three three words of advice of, of uh, how to kind of deal with any adversity or just to kind of keep going, what would you kind of say to someone? It's just, just know that it's going to end at some point. Like with anything, like with me, with the surgeries and all that, I just had him in my head, yeah, it's shit now. But all I've got to do is just keep a smile on your face, have a laugh, don't take yourself too seriously. Like with things like this, this can be embarrassing. Yeah, the way around any embarrassing, have a laugh, make a laugh at yourself, don't take yourself too seriously. And never fucking give in. Simple as that. And it, it just the way, the way that I do it, so I look at things like, I relate things to me giving in so if it's a negative outcome that I don't want to happen I relate that to giving in so for instance if I don't get up in the morning that's me I've given in yeah so I relate everything to that because I know that's one thing that's rooted in me that I can't allow myself to do so I try and make that work for me in a positive way in any area so like I'm not studious yeah but studying to get my level four like that's for me, I'd rather be in the gym, I'd rather be doing a million other things. But I was like, if I'm not doing this, and that's me giving in. Yeah, so I relate everything back to that. Because that's a core value I hold in me to this day, that I do not give in. And that's where I find value daily from. And um, gain, gaining gaining value, gaining like confidence in your own self and conviction. Why? If I set out to do something, I'll fucking do it no matter what. Awesome, mate. Nice one. Um, so, if anybody wants to to find you on Instagram or Facebook, what's your uh, yeah on Facebook? I'm on, on Facebook as Romeo Bravo. Yeah. yeah, and my Instagram is at the School of RB sixteen sixty four. Put them in the uh, description below. Just want to say thank you for your time, Ryan. It's been much appreciated, mate. And, Yeah, wicked man. Thank you very much. Thank you, buddy. Take care.